Well, good morning, uh, Grace City Church and to the Beaches congregation. It's great to see you today. And uh, listen, I hope that you're surviving the cold. It's been a cold week. Um, I'm recording this uh, in the church uh, building and it's cold here. I'm smashing all the aircon. Otherwise, you'd had Frosty the Snowman deliver this message to you today. But it is great to be with you. And I know many of you guys are gathering in your um, care groups uh, in different people's homes and stuff. So I hope that you're having a great morning. My name is Hugh. If you didn't know, I'm one of the leaders here at Grace City Church. And if you're not um, a part of this church, you just found us online on our YouTube channel or someone sent you the link, you're just so welcome to be here with us. And if you want to find out more about us, we're a congregation of people who live on the beaches. We meet together. Um, currently, we're in uh, other small groups in uh, midweek or on Sundays. If you want to find out more, just follow the link on our YouTube to our Facebook page and get in touch. And we would love to hear from you. But what are we talking about today? Well, we are talking about the prosperity gospel. Oh, that might raise an eyebrow or two. Well, when I say that, we're talking about the true prosperity gospel. Uh, and it's what, what we're going to look at is a small kind of little known section from the gospel of Mark in chapter 10, where Jesus talks about the costs and the rewards of following him. What he talks about in terms of loss, though, the cost, is far more than just money and finance and possessions. And the re rewards that he talks about are maybe slightly surprising. They're unexpected because the, th the thing that we receive in abundance isn't finance. It's actually family. You know, one of the things we get as we become a Christian is a whole new family. You don't get to get rid of the old one, by the way, in case you were hoping for that. You get kind of two families. You get added into a whole new community, which is the church. And that's what the true prosperity gospel is all about the household of God. And this morning, I want to talk about the church as family. And I'd, I would love to kind of elevate your idea of church as family and get you to think and ponder about what it really means for us to be church as family. And I want to do this for two, for two reasons. The first is, it's always appropriate. I mean, it's one of our key culture words that we would be a family. So it's always good to kind of underline and emphasize that kind of biblical theme. But the second thing is, I feel it's just really appropriate for where we are at this stage. You know, I mean, firstly, as we're in COVID, what does it look like for us to be a family? How, how does that work? And actually, we're, uh, for me, discovering through COVID, people have actually kind of connected more in, in a different way. And kind of because we haven't been in the same place, we've had to make an effort to connect. And meeting in our community groups together and care groups together is a real opportunity to foster that kind of more intimate there's more deep kind of meaningful relationships. And I mean, also in addition to that, as we talk about eventually, I don't know when it's going to happen, but moving from the RSL back to this building here in Coleroy, I think that building is going to be uh, a much better environment to help kind of foster that culture word of us, family. You know, just not being on the stage and just being a little bit closer together and uh, being a little bit more informal in a sense is really going to help kind of build that sense of oneness and togetherness. So I think it's a timely topic for us to explore while we're in these smaller groups and as we think about moving to the, the church offices. So I'm going to um, read this passage to you. It's Mark 10 um, verses 29 to 31. So it's just a small passage. And then I'm, I'm going to let you do the work of the application because I've got some groups, sorry, some questions for you to discuss in groups at the end. And if you're watching this within your care groups, it's the time to discuss. But if you're watching this on your own, then you know, I'd really encourage you just to pause anyway and reflect and maybe jot down your answers and maybe you could share them with someone else at another point. But let me read you the passage. So it's Mark chapter 10, 
verses 29 to 31. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Let me pray. God, I thank you so much for your word. You know, it's transforming, it changes us. And uh, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you've been given to us by Jesus to teach us and to guide us in all truth. And I just want to pray for everyone listening to this this morning, wherever they are. Lord God, I just want to pray that you'd fill them with your Holy Spirit. And I want to pray for that spirit of wisdom and revelation just to just to rest on people, Lord God, that you would come and speak to people, that you would come and challenge people, that you would come and encourage people. And you'd meet people where they are, Lord God. I pray you take this word and you kind of imprint it in our hearts in a way that really changes us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I'll give you a bit of background. Preceding this passage, we have the famous story of the rich young ruler. You may be familiar if you've been around for church any time. It's a guy who approaches Jesus and asks him a question, you know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, oh, you know, the Ten Commandments, you need to do this, that, and the other. And the guy says, well, I've been doing all of those since I was a boy. And Jesus says, oh, okay, well, just, um, just one more thing, just, just a little thing that you need to do. You need to sell absolutely everything that you have and you need to give all the money to the poor. Jesus said this because he knew that money was an idol for this guy. And until that was kind of dethroned in his life, he knew that that rich young ruler would never really be able to accept Jesus as his Lord. But that was very hard for the rich young ruler to hear. And he says almost his face dropped and he went away sad because it was too difficult. And Jesus' disciples, they were surprised. And Jesus had to explain, listen, it's, it's hard for the rich people to inherit the kingdom of God. And Jesus is saying that because they've got so much to lose in their own eyes. They've got so much they, they stand to lose. It's hard for them to make a decision because they can't see what they're going to gain. And then Peter very humbly pipes up and says, well, we've left everything to follow you. And then these verses are Jesus' response, which we'll work through now. And I want us to delve into them a little bit deeply. Starting with verse 29. It ends a bit abruptly, but it says this. Jesus says, Nobody who leaves home, brothers, sisters, father, mother, or children, or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive. And that's where verse 30 starts. So Jesus gives a list of the cost to follow him. It, there's a bunch of things in that list. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, children, and fields. And we can divide that list into into two categories. If you like, there's kind of relational and family stuff, which makes up the vast majority of the list. And then the other stuff is, it's um, fields or homes, stuff around possessions. Now the possession stuff is interesting. He talks about homes and fields. What does Jesus mean when he say this? Well, perhaps when he says those who have left homes, maybe he doesn't mean you've given up the physical building that you own. Maybe he's talking about that, but maybe he's talking about something much broader than that. You know, if you go away on holiday and you say you miss home, you miss something so much more than just the physical building. Because when you talk about home in that context, it's the feeling of comfort. It's the feeling of safety. It's the, the place where you can really relax and be yourself. 
It's the place where everything is familiar and known to you. It's like your community. You know, if you move away from home, if you go somewhere else, you, when you think of home, home can mean the nation that you came from. It can mean the town that you came from. It can mean a physical building, or it could just be the community that you used to know. And Jesus is saying some of you have left homes, as in you, you've left the place of comfort, the place where you knew people, the, the place where you felt safe, the way you could be yourself. You've left the familiar and you've entered into the unfamiliar. So perhaps what he's talking about here isn't actually so much just kind of financial possessions. It's, it's more than that. It's a place of safety. And when Jesus talks about the cost and, and fields, you've left fields. You know, I don't think he means you guys who used to own land. No, you don't. A field is a kind of, if you like, a, a metaphor for a way of earning income. Used to you'd be a farmer, you'd farm the fields, you'd get your crop and then sell it. You'd, you'd be able to make money and so feed yourself. Jesus is saying, some of you have left your home environments. You've left the opportunity to, you had to be financially independent, to kind of make your own money. Now you're relying on me. That's the cost. I think we've got, we got to get the, the weight of the cost in Jesus' eyes here. It's not possessions, actually. It's, it's family and it's relational. You, you've, you've left your communities. You've left fathers, brothers, mothers, sisters, etc., etc. So that's the cost that Jesus talks about. But then he makes a promise of what we will receive in advance. And let's explore that promise. You know, as, as one Christian thinker called it, the true prosperity gospel. That's where I got the phrase from. So verse 29 says, truly I tell you, anyone who's left any of these things, dot, dot, dot. Verse 30 says, anyone who's left, they will not fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, fathers, children, fields, along with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Jesus says, anyone who leaves any of these things just mentioned will receive a hundred times, or in the original phrase, a hundredfold. A hundredfold as much. And I don't know if you've heard of the, the famous cricketer, C.T. Studd. He, he left his cricketing career at his peak and went to be a missionary in China. And he, he, he was this verse that provoked him. And he said, a hundredfold is a thousand times. It's a thousand percent increase. A thousand percent increase. It's like for him, well, it's no problem. I'll easily walk away from that because I'm going to get a hundredfold what I left. But then I don't know if you noticed it. When does Jesus promise that we'll get this? Did, did you miss it? He doesn't say in the age to come. He said, in the present age, you'll receive back a hundredfold in this present age. And he says, in the next age, you'll receive eternal life. But this promise is for this age, which is quite radical, isn't it? He's saying life's in two, two, two ages. Okay, you're going to inherit eternal life if you make these sacrifices, but actually there's a promise which is a hundredfold, which is for this life. And what is the promise? Which well, says, if you leave home, brother, sister, etc., etc., in this age you'll receive times a hundred, a hundred times of those homes. You had one, earth gave you one mother. If you, if you leave her to follow me, you're going to get a hundred mothers. You're going to get a hundred brothers, sisters, fields, times a hundred, everything. What Jesus is saying is, is, if you make a sacrifice to leave your family for the gospel, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you and put you in a whole new family. Before you had one, now you've got many. You've got many, many, many brothers. You've got many, many, many sisters. You've got many fathers. 
You've got many daughters. You've got many mothers. You've got many sons. You, we mistake this, I think, as saying the church is, is, a, is, is a metaphor. It's like a family. But Jesus is saying you become a member of a brand new family. And it's not just like a family. It is actually your family. What, what you left behind, you get times a hundred in this new community. And what, what I think he means when he says, for those of you who leave homes or fields, I don't think he means if you leave a home, you're going to get in this present age a hundred new homes for yourself that you now own. That's brilliant. Because we don't experience the reality of that. I think this is what Jesus is saying. He says, you, you left your home, the place where you felt safe and comfortable and familiar. But what are you going to do now? You're going to be part of a new family. Everyone in that family's home is your home. So it's like you have a hundred new homes, places where you can go and you can feel, I feel at home here. I feel welcome here. Uh, th this is family to me. You can go from home to home to home within the church. It's like you feel connected to them. It's really quite radical. And I know, I mean, I've experienced this a few years ago. I've experienced it many times. But a few years ago, me and my wife, Cindy, we did a four-month round-the-world trip before we had kids to kind of see our families who were spread around the world. And our first few days were in Canada. And we'd looked up people to stay with, and we ended up staying with this family. And we got talking to them, and I found out they're from the Philippines. And actually, they knew Eden and Faye, who lead the church in the Manila, in the Philippines. They'd even been there a few weeks before we arrived in Canada. And they were able to show us pictures of them preaching to that church in Manila that I'd been to myself. So we went all the way around to Canada, and we ended up staying with, it felt like family. We've got mutual friends. We've got the same heart. We've got a shared mission. It's like you really do become part of this connected family. And that's what Jesus is promising. Maybe that you don't get 100 homes of your own, but you get access as if you're a family member to every single home within that community. And when he's talking about fields, I think what he's saying is maybe not that you get, oh, you were a business owner, now you have 100 new businesses. He's saying that you, know, you used to have a way of generating your own income. Now when you become part of the church, you've got a hundred people who will share with you what they have. That somehow your needs will become their needs. And when you're in need, they're there to kind of meet your needs. It really is quite a radical idea, the church's family. Now it really is, and you may think, well this sounds a bit like a kind of hippie commune. But it really is meant to work like this. I was speaking to someone last week who's, they were sick and actually their whole family was sick and unwell and they were just feeling pretty down about it, especially in COVID and whatever. And um, she said someone in the church found out about it. Immediately they went back to their home, made them a meal and then brought it back to them. Said, hey, I've made you this meal. Here's all this food. And then someone else found about it and they dropped around a meal and someone else found out and they dropped a meal. And she said, wow, well, while we're in lockdown, we can't see people actually... The church feeling like a family has been more real to me than other points. It's like suddenly everyone's caring for me. It was so kind of unexpected, but just such a joy to receive. And that's what the church is meant to feel like. You know, maybe we've settled for something so much less than the biblical concept of family. Maybe our idea of the nuclear family, two parents, two kids, which is a myth anyway, 2.5 kids. 
and this kind of this kind of tight boundary around this is my family other people aren't in my family maybe it's eroded actually our view of what biblical family is meant to look like and maybe we need to kind of reshape and reconfigure our ideas a little bit and dream again and while you're still processing and thinking about that i want to give you some verses to consider acts 4 32 says this all the believers were one in heart and mind no one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything that they had. All the believers were one in heart and mind. Not one of them claimed that what they owned actually belonged to them, but all of them shared everything they had between this new family. That sounds like the realisation of the promise that Jesus gives in Mark, in Mark 10. Actually, this really is a family who share everything. Think of Jesus' own teaching from Mark 3, 33 to 35. Jesus' mother and brothers were looking for him amongst the crowd. They were asking for him. And Jesus says this. He said, who are my mother and brothers? Then he looked around at those seated in the circle around him and said, here are my mothers and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. He's saying that this is, this is my family. He draws the line of family around spiritual lines as well as biological lines. Primarily here around spiritual lines. Consider the weight of that statement. In Psalm 68 verse 6, it says that God sets the lonely in families. That's a summary of salvation. You know, we were lonely, alienated from God, lost without him. But he has taken us and he has set us in a family. That's the essence of the gospel, his family. Ephesians 2.19 Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. When we get saved, we get added into a family. We get added into God's household, of which we are all brothers and sisters. And these are radical verses, and I think they're describing something that we are not fully experiencing, and we need to realize the gap. And by the way, I'm not saying that, you know, now we are all just kind of one family and you're biological family kind of boundary lines just kind of dissipate and you'll get enveloped into one big family you don't actually have a family of your own i'm not saying that at all i'm not saying that i mean i'll give you a concrete example um i have a wife cindy i've only got one wife you'd be relieved to know i only have one wife it's not like everyone's married to everyone now you know i've got two kids and they're my kids and then they're part of God's family, but they're my kids in the way that they're not your kids. And I'm accountable to God for how I raise them in a way that I'm not accountable for how I, I, I interact with your kids. So we do have our own boundary line as family. We do. It's, that's a distinct unit. But it, the church as family isn't a lesser version of that family. It's just a different version. We're called to be part of two types of family. One which sits in the other. God's family, it's a real family. What I'm trying to say to you is that I think church should feel like home. I think it should feel like a really safe space where you feel comfortable and relaxed, where you feel at, at home, where you feel like you can be yourself where you feel like you can know people and you can really be known. You don't have to be afraid to put on a, a face or a front, but you can, it's like you're being at home. It's an opportunity to foster deep 
like meaningful friendships and relationships. You know, so often we come to church and we stand next to someone and we say hi, we listen and then we just go home. We're called to be a family. It's, it's a much, much, much deeper, more profound concept than that. We're called to really know and love each other. And it's not just any family. It's God's family. And we're being built together to be his dwelling place. We come together as a family and he's there in our midst. He's very present. We, we gather to him and we kind of gather together to spur one another on into his presence. This is God's family that we're gathering to. It's our eternal family. We're part of a biological family or part of a spiritual family. And that spiritual family will last forever and ever and ever. So as I said, I'm not going to apply this for you. I think it'd be great to get together in your groups and talk this out in terms of the nitty-gritty and what this actually looks like. But to conclude, Jesus talks about the cost and the reward of following him. And the cost actually is a long kind of family and relational lines, more than you may have realized. And you may think, well, that's not true for me. That's not true in our context. People very rarely have to, in, the, in, in Australia and Sydney, have to leave their families to become a Christian. But actually, there's lots of people who give up stuff. I think of singles, actually, who kind of give up opportunities to be in relationships with people because they actually they feel a calling to God, so therefore they choose not to do stuff. They give up a sense of connection and friendship and intimacy with people because they're pursuing God. That's a real cost that singles face, and we need to congratulate them. And if that's you, it's amazing that you've been so faithful and served God so consistently. There's others who have moved location, country, to be part of this church. They've left home. They've left the familiar. They've entered something new. You've left a lot, and God's saying, you've, you've left home, but I'm going to give you 100 new ones. There's other people who could move to set up home to a place they'd prefer to live, perhaps, or they could afford to buy. But they're choosing to be here because they feel called by God to be here. And therefore, they're giving something up for the sake of the gospel. And God's saying, let everything that you're giving up by not going there, you're going to get back a hundredfold. You're going to get friends. You're going to get parents, brothers, sisters. You're going to get places that feel like home to you. It's a very real promise. God is saying, as you count the cost and follow me, actually, in this age you will be rewarded a hundredfold. So I'm going to give you some questions now, which I'd love for you to kind of explore and unpack. And I'll give you three questions that are for you to discuss as kind of group together. And then one question that's just um, for you personally to reflect and go and act upon yourself. And again, if you're not in a group, I just really want to encourage you to help kind of um, process this message and get the most out of it, just to kind of write your answers on your own and think about it. Don't just kind of, okay, done now. But to get the maximum out of it, to actually just stop and pause and answer these questions. But the three questions are, can you describe an experience in your life where church really felt like family? And why do you think it felt like that? So in your life, when has church really felt like family? And what was it about that experience? You know, why did it feel like that? What was happening that made it feel like that? The second is, Family being one of our key culture words, when you think of that, what does that word family mean to you? What kind of, what kind of things pop into your head? What, what does being a family look like in your eyes, in the ch- context of church? Third question then, how can you 
help foster that sense of family at Grace City, particularly as we're in COVID? How can you help foster that sense of family at Grace City during COVID? So those are questions for kind of groups to get around and discuss. But then I just want to put this question to everyone personally. Can you think of a way of thanking slash honouring someone who's been like family to you? Maybe there's someone who's just gone out of that way and to make you feel at home or to make you feel like family. You think of a way of thanking or honouring them um, just to really bless them and acknowledge the effort that they made. Okay, so those are the discussion questions. I hope that you found that provoking. I hope they raised some questions for you and I hope that you have a really fruitful time as you kind of process and pray this through. But thanks so much for listening and uh, we hope to see you again soon. Have a great week. See you.